0: Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. We're back with the Q&A over episode six. Jason, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing well. I'm all right. Yeah, man. It's a uh, Thursday here. We're recording. (laughs) It's a busy day for us. (laughs) Yeah. We both, I mean, we both just got done with the email, so... Um, th- I like this though, man. This is a nice break in the day because if not, it I, is. I can go sit at the computer for another two hours. I've always got stuff to do. Yeah. Um, so this this is a nice break, and you know this is a good Q and A. We just went over these right real quick before I hit record, and we just kind of went over them real quick. Man, these are some really good questions.
1: Yep, I agree. I agree. I think uh, I think everyone will be pleased with this once we uh, get this unfolded here.
0: Yeah. So this is for our listeners. This is episode seven. If you have not listened to episode six. This is a Q&A going over that podcast. So episode six was nutrient timing, pre-intra and post-workout protocols. Guys, go back, listen to episode six, and then come back here. Um, this is going to be a really, really good q and um, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, Jason. We'll, we'll kind of get caught up on um, some cool stuff with us and public speaking, and then we'll get right into the questions. But I do want to ask our listeners, guys, if you're somewhere that you can, if you're listening from a phone or from some kind of a device, please hit pause. Give us a real quick review. There's stars there that you can give us a review. That really helps. We're getting up into the 80s now, it looks like. Um, It's starting to slow down a little bit, but you guys have really helped us elevate and get this to grow. And we've got some really, really big plans for this, which we're going to talk about here shortly. So if you don't mind, just hit pause, um, leave us a review, and then go ahead and get right back to us. So if you just hit pause and left us a review, and now you're back (laughs) with us, we appreciate you. If you didn't, I want you You to do it. A kitten just fucking died somewhere and I hope you're proud of yourself. So (laughs) have a little bit of fun with that. Um, Jason, man, give us, give us a little breakdown on, you know, kind of like the last 10 days for you. I I specifically wanted to hear your thoughts on the physique education collective, the PEC. It's a lot easier for me to say it. Um, You guys have a good thing going on over there and you guys were just in Atlanta um, and gave like six presentations. How, uh, how'd that go? Uh,
1: You know, we got a lot of great feedback from it um the presentations if i, I don't know if i remember them all but i'll give you a taste mine was on uh, insulin sensitivity like how to manipulate it how to improve it um austin did a cool one on the on the thyroid and like go went over in depth, like, uh, you know, the different thyroid hormones, how they play off each other and then what to look for in labs and how to read. So that was cool. Even, even though I do it daily, it's always nice to have something like that as a coach, even though I I do, you know, kind of already know that stuff. It was awesome to kind of rehear it. Um, Jeff Sue did some cool case studies on carb cycling and some of his clients. Um, Jeff Black did a little bit on the gut and just kind of how to help kind of remedy um, some, some, some of the more common things that you see in physique sports with gut issues. And then Vince kind of did a deep dive on, he did like a case study looking back at blood work um, over a lot of his like women clients and uh, estrogen dominance. So that was pretty cool. So if any of those topics sound cool to you, that's the kind of stuff we're doing. Um, And we had about thirty-five people, Um, so that was a nice little attendance. It's it's an intimate enough kind of setting that everyone, I think, can get a little time with us. But um, you know, it's 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 not like it's four people showing up. So we're we're building steam, and we're happy with it. The next one is going to be in Nashville in April, and we're doing all new topics. So I know uh, Jeff and I are going to joint present on cortisol and HRV. Uh, which is heart rate variability and how you can use it in physique sports. Um, but we have some pretty cool presentations coming down the line for the new one. So um, yeah, that that was a very good weekend, fun weekend, um, and a lot of good feedback.
0: Yeah, and you guys had Lauren Conlon come in for the first time, right? Did she? Did and
1: now she's going to be a part of uh, the PEC and she's presenting uh, again next time with us.
0: Yeah, Lauren's amazing. I, I've had her on multiple podcasts mm-hmm. back in the TNT podcast days. She's been a speaker at the Physique Summit twice now. We've done a lot of YouTube videos together. Um, I consider her a good friend. Leslie and I go down, her and her boyfriend hang out, train at their house, go eat. Like Lauren is top notch. Um yep, to me, she's really one that she's really, you know, becoming one of the best female coaches in the industry. She just kind of has it all. With you. Um and a, just a great person on top of that. So can't go wrong with with having Lauren be part of anything, really. we, we You know, at some point, we'll have her here on the show um, whenever we start bringing on guests and we get through all of our topics. So speaking of speaking, mm-hmm. you and I just got a date lined up. Um, now, this isn't 100% set in stone, but everything is lined up and booked. We're just really far out. We're like six months out. But we're looking at, you know, middle of June, like June 13th. You and I are going to have the very first Elite Physique University one-day seminar Yep. And this is going to be fun, man. I, you know, we've got some cool ways that we can do this a little bit different than, than uh, some of the stuff we've done before with the summit and bodybuilding camps. But I'm excited for you and I to kind of iron this out in detail and then let our listeners know here. They'll be the first ones to know before we ever put it on social. Definitely, um, We'll give you guys kind of a heads up. And it'll be in Springfield, Missouri, and we're keeping the prices—we're keeping them good. It's only going to be ninety-nine bucks, and you're going to get a full day's worth. We may even do a day and a half, you know, with the night prior. We'll just see. Um, but guys, look—look look for that. You know, we'll have the announcements, soon. we'll probably give everybody like four—you know, three, four months heads up, so you guys can plan vacations and stuff. You know, I've got this large ten-thousand-square-foot gym, like everybody can come train there. It'll just be a blast. I mean, Jason, you've been to Springfield before when we had the summit here. It's yep. it's a good area. It's easy to fly into and drive. It's not like downtown St. Louis or anything. So, right. Um, Definitely. It'll, it'll be good. So, yeah, man, that just kind of catches us, up, you know, everybody up on kind of what's been going on with us. Um, let's go ahead and get into these questions. So I'm just going to read these. Some people, they were cool with their names. Some people were like, eh, just make it anonymous. So, yeah. Right. We'll just jump right in. Miss Diana Gear, long-time client of mine, one of the best female natural pros out there in her fifties, by the way. Always, oh, yeah. I like Diana's questions. She's always constantly thinking. Jason, I know she messages you. You guys are friends, yep. Um, and you've helped her as well. So I have. she's she's in a really really good place here, and she coaches people, and she's just doing well. So she's always thinking of good questions like this. Um, her question is: If you're watching your blood sugar and insulin sensitivity closely are high glycemic carbs or mid or low GI carbs better around the workout? So, Jason, you know, we're going to do a whole podcast on insulin sensitivity, and a lot of the times we take people through these resets, you know, maybe once a yeah. year. So if someone's trying to watch their insulin sensitivity, what what do you recommend around the workout? High GI carbs, mid or low GI carbs? What's, what's kind of your go-to in that situation?
1: I mean, you know, I don't really – Think of it kind of that way. When you know, when I'm when I'm when I'm building someone's plan, I don't go, "Oh man, these w- few carbs in the plan could really blow their insulin sensitivity." Um, so then, let me backtrack. If someone is trying to reset their insulin sensitivity, they've already shown me that they have lost it. You know, their blood sugars are over 100 in the morning, and then every time you know they're still 130, 140s. Um, then I might, because someone is in a diet phase and I have to pull calories back and they're in a, in a deficit, um, I'm actually going to be less worried about a little high glycemic then. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but but remember, they're in a deficit and they're not getting much carbs anyways. So, a little like fast acting isn't really going to hurt them. Um, or to get it stored quickly so that they can use it because they're not going to have a ton of carbs in the body. Anyways, I hope that makes sense for people. What I'm saying, they're going to be in a deficit. They're going to be calorically restricted. So it really doesn't matter as much in my opinion, um, because it could be around the training. If someone is really in the off season, they're pushing calories already hard and heavy um, and they're kind of towing that line, that's where I'm going to get a little more like maybe like where I'm not going to use as much like sugar products and things like that. Maybe just like some jasmine rice pre and maybe some creamer rice post, because we're already jacking their sugars up high all day. Um, I, that's more where I'm going to be more concerned. But even intra in that situation, you're still going to have I'm still having them either do Gatorade or Carbolin. And you know, that's, that's a. I mean, it's a, those are very fast acting sugars. So no matter what you do, I think you're going to still spike that insulin a little bit. You just kind of have to understand where you're at in your program. And you you might have a completely opposite answer. I mean, but that's where I, how I kind of look at it.
0: No, man. I mean, you and I, it, most of the time, you and I are pretty close on everything. The only time that I'll tell someone, hey, have something like rice or cream of rice or oatmeal or potato or something slower digesting you know pre and post workout is when their insulin sensitivity is just really fucking bad really bad from the start and i haven't been able to get it to move like sometimes i'll do a four-week insulin sensitivity reset and people are still in the fucking upper 90s you know they've dropped from like 105 morning um to like 99 and they still have some hundreds in there and i just can't get it to move then i start introducing you know hey listen Let's just, let's not spike insulin hardly at all. Use some slow digesting carbs. So that's the one time I do it. Or, or if they're not, if I am doing a reset, some people, I don't have to drop their calories, um, right out of the gate. I'll just try leaving their calories where they are. So they're not in a deficit and I might try that. But most of the time it's only when I can't get someone to move and I've got to kind of take drastic measures. I've got to extend out, you know, to four from four weeks to like six to seven weeks, um, God forbid I have to do it for eight weeks, but man, sometimes some people's bodies are just stubborn. I I'm going to say out of the, you know, at every 10 insulin sensitivity resets, I do maybe one is really that bad. Um, and yeah. usually it's paired up. Like if you go back and listen to our prior podcast, or if you've listened to us at the summit, it's usually paired up with high cortisol and shit sleep. So oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic. So, um, but it is, it, that's the only time. So I don't, I don't really worry about it. Too much, but it, it is a good question. Um, Justin M Finger asks, Is there a limit to carbs that you can have during the workout? How much do we recommend? So, if you go back and listen to episode six, we kind of did talk about just our generic. You know, I, I hate to put numbers out sometimes, but sometimes you have to because people need mm-hmm. to know, well, hey, what should I just try and start with? So, yeah, I think we I both hate. said somewhere around 20 carbs for women, 30 yeah. to 35 for guys, just somewhere in that range. Um, but we also both have people. That, that have theirs jacked up, they're pretty high. 60 yes. carbs, intra, 70. Give yep, us yep. kind of an idea if you would kick this off of, you know, what's the limit that usually gets someone up to and why is it usually that high?
1: Um, so, yeah, to reiterate, uh, I believe we did say like women was around 20, men around 35, 40, somewhere around there would be a nice little starting point. Um, but again, these are all individual situations. Um, I've had men that are like more like kind of your super heavies, up to around a hundred intra workout. And I believe I was doing like half gay and half carbolin, something along those lines. Um, but yeah, you know, I have guys right now I know that are around 80, 75, 70, somewhere around there. I don't think anyone creep it up to a hundred. But um yeah, I mean it, it's just really individual on the person. I mean you get to a point where um, someone's trying to get in seven hundred carbs well, you know, you're going to get a lot of liquid carbs in, and then in the intra, uh, at that point, there's just so much food to try to, uh, to try to account for and get in. So it's, um, it's one of those things where I think if, you know, Justin, you're, you, you know, if you start around 40, um, and just kind of see how your digestion's going, are, are you hungry post-workout or are you really still bloated? You know, all those different things, you know, maybe the source has to change or maybe it's just too much. All those different biofeedbacks have to be taken into account, um, to kind of dial it in really well. But I think 40 for a man would be probably a good starting point.
0: Yeah, I do too. I know Justin, I did his prep one year. Great, great athlete, good physique. Um, He's not somebody that can eat fucking thousand carbs a day for sure. So Justin, I would definitely, just like Jason said, that 40 carb mark is probably about right for you. And the other thing is there are some people – that just have to train so fucking high volume. That's another reason why I'll, I'll get theirs up there a little bit more. Um, if they're not fatties like me, but they have to really train high volume, I might get them up there to 50, 60. I don't generally ever have anyone over. Most of my clients are natty, so um, I don't have a lot of the heavyweights or super heavyweights anymore these days. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff is also dictated by muscle mass, too. I mean, it's so many things that goes that go into this art form of coaching, right? How hard you're training, like how much volume, how much muscle you have, the fucking rep ranges, like how how many calories you're having that day. Like there's so many things that go in. I just don't have a lot. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on taking insulin, Jason, but I do know there's probably going to be a few people listening to the show. They're like, so I'm going to kind of inject another question in. This is, this is kind of me making one up, but I think it, it should be talked about. Um, this isn't something I deal with at all. I just don't, uh, I don't pretend to try and know. And if clients come to me and they, and they want to use insulin, it, it, I'm not the guy for them. Um, yeah. but there are people that like, so how, how do I, how do I work intra workout carbs around that? How do I time that? So is that something that's going to dictate the amount of carbs that someone's having intra workout?
1: Uh, well n- n- yes and no. Here's why I say that you should never, um, time your carbs to your insulin dose, your insulin dose should be timed to the amount of carbs that you already know that your body's comfortable taking in pre workout. Um, so what I mean is you don't go Oh, dude, I heard taking 20. IUs of insulin is awesome. So if I need 10 grams of carbs per one IU, then I need 200 carbs pre workout. No, don't do that. If if you know that you do well with 65 carbs, then you can have around six IUs of insulin um, after you eat, before you go to the gym. So you match it up to your carbs. So then once you've already done that, with you matching it up to your pre-workout carb, any intra is kind of going to be icing on the cake to just kind of prevent you from going hypo. Does that make sense? So you've already covered it because if you did 65 carbs, that means you can do up to six IUs of insulin. 10 grams um carb per one IU is just a general rule. It's it's it changes for everybody, but it's a general rule to start. And then let's say you do 40 intra. Well now you've covered that six IUs with a hundred carbs. You're probably fine. So there's really nothing that says, you know, I have to get a certain amount in at intra. You kind of you kind of time up what you what you ate pre, and that kind of sits uh sets your your humolog dosing. And then you just kind of cover it even more with your intra, if that makes sense. Now there are guys who probably midway through the workout go and hit more in the gym, in the bathroom but i don't ever advise that it. it's just finally gets gets nutty so um that's kind of how it rolls
0: yeah i just i want to throw that in there because i know it, probably not very many probably about two percent of the listeners probably are in that situation but you know what right. if that's a little bit of information for you that took us three minutes then then great right. um the next question comes from Teddy Pantelis, um, client of yours, if I Correct. remember right. Like, good time, at, damn yeah. good natural athlete. Um, oh, he's, he's yeah, I mean he's a pro bodybuilder. Does you know fucking shredded man? Yeah. Uh, I think he did WMBF Worlds, if I remember watching yeah. watching him right. Just did uh, did really well. Um, yeah. Always motivating. So. His question is what are your prefer what are your preferred pre and post workout meals and why? So if you go back and listen to episode six, we did talk about the stuff that we like to eat, you know, with with cream of rice or potatoes. But Jason, if you have another go to meal, let's 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 hit on that. So maybe maybe sure. if you have something that you're gonna have to eat two or three hours prior and it's just the way timing is, what would your code what would your go to meal be then?
1: So I'll just tell you how I did it today. I mean, today, um, I ate about an hour pre and that's just the way my day was going. So I didn't want really any, um, food that would take long to digest. So I did whey and then cream of rice and then post-workout I was on the go. I had to go pick uh, Maddox up after chess club. And so I packed more whey and rice cakes, uh, the flavored kind, little, little more sugar, a little faster acting post-workout. And I got, I hit all my numbers that way. Um, so I use a lot of rice, jasmine rice, cream of rice, or, some type of rice cake usually around my uh pre and uh, post
0: yeah so the only and i'm i'm pretty usually i kind of base mine off of how long before i'm going to hit the gym so sometimes like today super busy day and i knew i i knew i was going to have to go like two and a half hours from the time that i that i was going to eat until the time i could probably train uh, well, and yeah. yeah and sometimes when that happens i'll actually eat you know a solid protein source like yeah like chicken and some and some potato or something like that um sometimes i've been having um corn tortillas and a little bit of fat-free cheese and some turkey meat in there something along the side but my point to the listeners is if it's if it's gonna be a couple hours away from the workout i'm gonna have something that digests slow now there's no way in hell i'm gonna eat any kind of meat and food like that, especially with veggies, anywhere close to the workout, because like I said back in episode six, to me, it all comes down to bloat. So the closer the workout I am, the more times I'm going to have whey and powdered potatoes or cream of rice. The farther I am away, the more I want to have something a little slower digesting that I'm going to let kind of settle and drop down. And yeah, like people. chicken and
1: oatmeal. Oats take a while to digest, so like something like that would be would work well.
0: Yeah, so that's that's how how I kind of pair mine up. I don't really think the foods are magical when you start getting a little bit farther away from the workout. I just, to me, it all comes down to bloat. Would I? The last thing anybody wants is to go train in the gym and feel like you're gonna fucking like your stomach's distended or you got gas and shit. Like, it's, I mean, nobody wants that. So.
1: No, I mean you can't you can't be you can't train peak performance when the blood wants to be in your stomach because you're right. just not getting it to the extremities. So right, um, the closer it has to be the workout, the more that you want to pick something that's going to be able to be in and out of you really quick.
0: Here's another question. Um, and, and I know you and I, so we're going to probably be a little brutal and straight up, straight up honest on this one. What if you wake up first thing in the morning and you have to train, but you just cannot stomach anything. I know training fast. is not a good idea, so what do you guys recommend? Do you, uh, you want to be crabby Jason or you want me to be crabby John to start this off? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, no, I'll start. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to push back and be like, look, you're gonna have to meet me midway. Um, you, cause I literally just had this yesterday uh, with someone and they ended up signing up, but I literally, they said, are you going to make me eat? I don't like to eat pre-workout. And I said, well, I won't make eat, but I'll strike a deal and I'll do carb powder and, and whey. Um, and maybe I'll make it a little smaller than some of your other meals, but we're going to go with that. And they were like, okay, I, I can make that happen. And I think they ended up actually even like doing whey and a little bit of sweet potato. And they said it was perfectly fine. So like people just don't want to get out of there. Like when someone says they can't have anything, like, come on, do this bullshit. You just don't want to get out of your comfort zone. But the problem is you're where you're at in your development because you're in your comfort zone. So you're hiring a coach to be like, yeah, this is an optimum and this is an optimum. And yeah, this sucks. You need to change this. So that's one of those things. And I'm just going to be like, Nope, this is how we're doing it.
0: Yeah. So my thing is when somebody's really serious about physique enhancement, I mean, that's, that's why our podcast is titled the way it is. This is for people that are really serious. When you're serious, then you're going to do what you have to do. And I, a lot of people that just aren't, they first thing, they just don't want to get up. Like they don't want to get up and get around. They want to get up and drink their coffee and fart around. Like for most people that tell me they don't want to eat, they want to have their fucking coffee and they want to take their time. But if you've got to get up and have a shake and some carbs, you know, 30 minutes before you work out, that means you got to get up and get on the move. And I've just noticed that's most people. I'm that way, by the way, I don't want to get up and slam some fucking food right out of the gate. But if I were dead serious about adding muscle and I had, and I had to train first thing in the morning, I'm going to have whey and I'm going to have some kind of like dextrose and I'm going to hit it right before I walk into the gym. And then I'm going to start my EAAs and dextrose intra workout. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's just what I'm going to do the reality is it's like Jason said, it's not that hard. You just, you have to do what you have to do. It's not like we're asking you to eat eggs and cheese, you know, six whole eggs and all this other shit and toast. Like we're not asking you to do that. So it's really not that hard. Here's another question. And then, you know what, this is a really, really good question. I know our listeners are going to be like, Oh yeah, I wonder about that. So if you train late at night before bed, should you still do the pre, intra, and post-workout protocol because you're spiking insulin so high? So, Jason, I think this is such a good topic because if you really think about it, people, people think, why would I want to spike insulin? Why would I want to slam all these carbs right before bed? When, I'm, when I just got done training, I'm going to eat, and then I'm going to go lay down, and I'm going to lay in a bed all night long, and I'm just laying there. Um, so, people, it comes back to, one, people are a little bit scared of carbs at night. Uh, back in the old days, you know, no carbs after 6 PM is kind right. of what, what we all kind of learned, um, which is, which is hogwash, you know, as we know now, what do you tell people when they come to you and they talk to you like, Hey, should I really be doing this this late?
1: I 100% tell them it's no problem. I'm like, just move your pre and post to bookend that workout. I don't care if you get off the gym floor at 10 PM, uh, you can have your post workout. And yes, I want you to still do your intro because your body is still going to behave the same way. like. You're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna need the glucose way more um, during this time frame after workout. You know, glute for translocation still happens. Um, you know, those carrier proteins come to the come to the cell more more likely, and the, so you're more likely to store glute glycogen. And um, so all those bodily processes still happen, whether it's eight a.m. in the morning or you start at eight p.m. So yes, definitely do do your pre, your entry, and your post, and then yeah. you got it. But you got to adjust meals one, two, and three, like you know, you're going to probably get less carbs earlier in the day, then you're going to have more towards it towards the night.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And the one other thing that I'll add to, cause I, I tell my clients the exact same thing. One other thing I'll add is for people that are worried about, you know, should I have carbs late? What people don't realize is when your body sleeps, first of all, especially whether it's when you sleep and you train in the morning or in the evening, it doesn't matter. But when you sleep and especially after you train late at night, Your body is in recovery mode and a lot of people don't realize the process of building muscle, the process of recovery, like all that shit takes energy and energy comes from carbohydrates. It comes a little bit from fats. So to put your body through something like that late at night, that I don't care if someone's having, I don't know, like 120 carbs around their workout right around then or 150. It, It does not matter to me at all because their body actually needs it. And another thing people don't realize, and I saw this I saw this in a write-up in a study somewhere, the last half of sleep, so if you sleep eight hours a night, right, that last half, that last four hours of sleep, your metabolic rate is actually so high that last four hours that it's it's higher than at some points during the day that your metabolic rate could get to. And whenever I read that, it was like four or five years ago, I'm like, man, no wonder. Like, no wonder it doesn't matter if we eat a carb meal and go to bed. Like, your body is metabolic rate is through the roof and you're trying to repair all this stuff that we put our body through. It's just crucial. So from that point on, I quit, I quit worrying about carbs at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see here. Next question is, okay. So what if you do cardio after your workout, should you do your post-workout shake and food right after you work out and then go do your cardio or should you just do your workout do your cardio and then do your post-workout shaken food. I actually get asked this quite a, quite a bit because most people think they, they don't know what to do. Right. Um, I mean, you know,
1: 99% of the time I'm having people train, do the cardio and then replenish after the cardio is done. Um, Man, I can't really think of much of a time where I'm like, oh, you got some HIIT cardio coming up. Let's just go ahead and have the protein portion and get some amino acids in or let's get the car. I just, I just have you train. I mean, you've been well um, fueled for your training. We had pre, we've had intra, you know, all that's going through you. So I just have people go right into the cardio. I, 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 I'm sure at some point in time I've had someone or somebody who ne- he needed to maybe fuel up, but uh, it's very rare.
0: Yeah, I, I never have I, it's the exact same thing. I might like, just train, do your cardio, do your post workout shake, anywhere thirty, sixty minutes later, once you're ready, right. your intra workout carbs have, have gotten through you and they've kind yes, of bottomed exactly. out. Exactly. Right.
1: And and you know, you 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 set up a good pre-workout meal so your body's nourished, you set up a good intra. Um, so your body's nourished with, you know, EAA, BCAAs, creatine, carbs, if you're in, if you're doing intra, I mean, you can go ahead and go into that cardio. Um, as long as you're not doing like two or three hours of some sort of endurance, you don't need to eat again.
0: Right. And you, you know, something we'll, we'll get to on another episode when we do talk about cardio and a lot of people are probably sitting here thinking, so why the fuck would I drink intra workout carbs and sugars and stuff like that? finish my training and then go do cardio when insulin's elevated and blood sugar might even still be a little bit elevated but you know at that point it that's that is one of the times where you can say calories in versus calories out starts to make a difference because you know fasted cardio and we'll, we'll get a little bit into that later on fasted cardio in the morning it you know that might be a little bit different than calories in versus calories out the studies have shown differently but we're not talking about true lists light intensity steady state like you like you like to do jason i I still think there's more that we need to know about that but i think when it comes to doing your cardio after having intra workout carbs in a training session to me that's when it kind of becomes you know you you still need to be at a deficit and i think that's where more of the calories in versus calories out comes out what do you think about that
1: uh i I think you're right but that's why i also tell people you know have have it done Um, I have people drink half of it on the way to the gym and then have it, have it done about 30 minutes before you're done with your workout. What that does is you'll burn through it more. The blood sugars will be more cleared out. They'll get lower. So you're either in a good state for your, your list, or you're in a good state to go fuel your body. Either way. Um, I like to have it finished about 30 minutes, not still being sipped on as they're trying to go get on a treadmill and do some this.
0: Yeah, 100 percent Like the intra workout carbs should go to fuel your workout, not to fuel your cardio. Right. And, and if it is, you, you need to drink it faster. Right. you've um,
1: done 30 minutes before you're before you're finished.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, here's a here's another good one. Man, I'm struggling. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to crack one of these open. So Uh-oh. <laughs> this one could be a long long answer. We're gonna keep it short. And this is we're gonna go over keto for a minute. Because uh, we're gonna do a whole plot, we're gonna do a whole episode on this. Yeah. So what if what if someone's keto? What's a good pre-intra and post workout protocol? Um a lot of people that know me, you know, I'm I have a lot of people that think that's all I do is fucking keto because I've done so much with keto for the last like fucking 13 years. It's because I like to experiment. So I'll I'll kick this one off. Um because, man, I've been there, done that, and tried everything. And honestly, Jason, you're you're just like me. Like, you've done as much with keto as I have. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably don't publicize it as much as I do. Mm-hmm. I usually do because I'm pretty geeky about it. But um, I think when it comes down to it, you and I both have a shit ton of information on keto. So, you know, we could really go into some detail here. Um, a good pre-intra and post-workout protocol. Here's what I tell my clients on keto. Um, I, I do the same thing with whey. Whey is always it always bookends the workout as long as they're going to train within an hour or two of, of their meal. So waste, sits easy on your stomach. So I'm a big fan of that keto or not. And then I have them have a a fat source that's going to sit good on their stomach. And that's, I don't want to go into detail on which fats are better because dude, we'll spend a fucking 30 minutes on, on this question. Um, But any kind of fats that sit good on your stomach are fine. And then intra is when I like to, I recommend it's actually your, product, Jason, new ethics, essential energy. And I like to recommend that two different ways. And it really depends. I like to have my clients drink it on the way to the gym. So, you know, 20 minutes out from the gym, go and have a couple scoops of it. That way the energy is starting to hit you as soon as you start your, your training program. Um, That seems to really, really help. The other nice thing is it's so full of electrolytes, specifically sodium and BHB salts that, I don't hesitate to have them throw another scoop in and drink that during their workout if they're really doing a lot. Right. Um, and that gives them the keto salts and that gives them everything that they need to just have a great training session. The pumps, dude, pumps suck on keto. Like it's just, it's part of, part of it. But if you've got the electrolytes on point and you've got plenty of ketones helping fuel the workout, I'm a big fan of the essential energy, especially cause it tastes good. Most shit just does not, it's keto salts. Like they're not going to taste great. Right. Um, so I recommend that intra workout and I'll do the same things that we talked about in episode six with creatine and all the different supplementation around, you know, pre and intra and then post-workout, I have them go right back to a away shake and whatever fat sources they want because keto is a little bit different. You don't, you don't necessarily have to have, you know, fast acting fats like MCTs and stuff like that. It more or less comes down to, you know, what we'll get into on our keto episode. But I just, for the most part, I let people just pick the fat sources that they want so you know peanut butter has a little bit of carbs in it. It's not a ton, but some people like to have almond butter or peanut butter around the workout. I'm I'm pretty relaxed on that, but we'll go in, into that more in, in detail on our keto up. So Jason, what do you like to recommend?
1: Um, so pre workout, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same. I'm gonna have whey. Um, I am big on MCT pre just for faster acting fats to get the energy, and then I'm gonna ha- let them have a veggie of some sort pre. Um, and then usually intra, I'm doing my uh, new, uh, our new ethics, uh, essential energy as well. Um, I'll do like, uh, two, two scoops, two to three scoops, uh, about 20 ounces of water. I'll do six grams of beta alanine, uh, six grams citrulline, 10 grams creatine, um, and do about half of that on the way there. And then again, you know, then I'll sip it while I'm training. Um, and then post-workout generally I'm cool with a nut butter to get a little more carbs. Um, just kind of tastes a little better than oil too. something to look forward to. And then weigh again, uh, and probably another veggie.
0: Yeah, man. Pretty, pretty simple there. Um, let's go on to the next question. If I'm very low carb for the day, so someone doesn't have a lot of carbs in their diet, they're getting down towards the end of a diet phase. Yeah. And they don't have enough carbs to spread out over a pre intra and post workout protocol. So like maybe somebody's down to 50 carbs a day. Yeah. Where would you place them, Jason, if you had to, and and this is kind of a hypothetical, um, where would you place them pre workout, intra workout or post? Um, I, I can tell you for me personally, if I get someone down this low, I'm fucking taking them keto anyway. So it, it never really happens with me unless it's like, a couple of days a week, if I'm carb cycling, like a female, she might be down to 40, 50 carbs. And, and, you know, I just have to hammer the dog shit out of her at the end to kind of get it off. But most of the time, if I'm going to have to get someone there every day, I, I'm going to take them keto anyway, because I just believe that's better than, than low carbs. Um, what do you feel about that? And where would you place if you had to pick one place to put 40 or 50 carbs?
1: Well, I mean, if I have 40 or 50, I'm going to place them, 20 and 20 and 25 or 25, I'm going to skip the intra and I'm going to put them pre and post. If I have to choose, I'm going to discuss it with the athlete. Um, I have some people who feel like they really don't need carbs to train. If you give them a fat, a protein and a veggie, they, they feel like they're going to be all right. And then I'll go ahead and put it post. So they're replenished. But if someone feels like they really need that energy to have a good workout, then I'm gonna give it to them pre and then post workout, they're gonna get a veggie. And they're just kind of got to, you know, not really get that replenished side of of the carbohydrate, you know, at that point, it's, you know, you can make an argument of why it sucks either way to not have it pre or post. Um, You know, but I don't always go to keto, like you're saying, I think there's many people who don't respond to higher fat diets. And so if they've been that person, all of prep, I'm not going to go then take a Fat approach. I'll leave them on that forty or fifty carb, lower fat. Maybe jack up the protein some um, and leave them there. So it really depends whether in my world they're a fat processor or a carb processor on what I'm going to do at the end there. Um, that's just my take on it.
0: Yeah, sure, man. There's so many different scenarios, so many different caveats and, and differences. You know that that we can say, well, I would or wouldn't, um, and that's why you know this kind of comes. This is all an art form. I said that earlier in the show you know, not only to our listeners that are just athletes, you know, working on your own physique is an art form. But if you're a coach or a trainer out there listening, like I, that's one, especially if you're new, that's one thing you have to understand. Like there's so many different situations. Like Jason said, you could have one person that you could take keto and the next person you're going to split it 20 carbs, you know, pre and 20, 20 post. Um, shit. I might have, yeah, I might have 30 or 40 intra and a little bit before and none post. I mean, it, Rarely does that happen, but we can make all kinds of arguments. I think it just comes down to knowing your body or knowing your client's body.
1: Yeah, um, and you know, discussing it. You know, um, like I said, I, I you're always trying to preserve the workout. You know, you're gonna feel like shit the rest of the day, but if you can at least get through a decent workout, you know, that's what that's the big thing. So, you know, if I'm that low, and you know, I'm gonna split it. But if I have to choose, I'll talk to him about it. You know, and. Tell them, well, I can give you some MCTs, you know, it's going to, you know, it's going to, it's going to, um, you know, process a little faster. So you're gonna get some energy there and we'll, we'll crank you full of salt. If you think you can get through it, then we'll put it post, you know, if they're like, no, I got to have carbs to perform, then I'm going to put it pre with them. So that, you know, you might say have to discuss. And then I have times where I go keto too. Um, that does, you know, it does happen, but I have to kind of feel like that person is more of a fat processor for, for me to want to go that route. That's all.
0: You know, I, I think what you said is gold. You know, the job is to preserve the workout. Um, yeah. this is bodybuilding. Um, that's when you're dieting specifically, that's the number one thing you're yes. trying to do is preserve muscle and to have a great training session. And yes. for those people that have gotten lean enough or, or have done shows, you know that feeling at the end when you're down to really low calories and your body fat's getting low. Like, fuck, man. Like, the number one thing you can do is is try and have a great workout. To me, I've always yeah. said champions are the one that can go into the gym feeling like death towards the end and still have a good training session. You know, some of that's mental, but some of that might be the fucking 40 carbs you had pre-workout just to, just Yeah, because-
1: and then, you know, like I said, I start loading salt in more and more. Like, I'll do anything I have to, even if it's a fake pump. To get that feeling of sure. the muscle working to where it's actually being stimulated, there's nothing worse than going in and feeling like a wet noodle and you just can't feel it. At that point, you got to figure out a new strategy. You got to get some citrulline in you. Maybe you need the injectable carnitine because it increases NO2. In Maybe you need more salt. Maybe you need abolic. Maybe you got to add something else in your arsenal. But fight always to preserve the workout and preserve that, that response to training.
0: You know, something we haven't talked a lot about and then we'll move on to our last question um, with pre-workout is you know, you and I are both are both pretty big about, you know, getting caffeine levels down before yes. you start dieting um, just to keep cortisol lower and things of that nature. But this would also be one of those great times when you're towards the very end and you've kept caffeine low. Right. That way, when you do go to reach for it, yep, maybe that replaces your carbs pre. Yep. You have some caffeine. And it gives you a little bit more energy. You respond well to it. You don't need a massive amount because you haven't been using it the whole prep. And you get a little bit of energy there. And then after you work out, you can have those post-workout carbs. So those carbs can go to fuel recovery. Um, There's just so many different ways to look at it. But, you know, I'm I'm sitting here. I I cracked open a drink because I'm getting ready to drive to St. Louis after this. I'm fucking tired. (laughs) You know what, man? That's that's where caffeine comes in. But it's got to come in the right way. Like you can't be taking fucking 900 milligrams. 20 weeks out. Well, <laughs> right. when you get to 3 weeks out you're fucked. Um yeah. so you know we'll we'll do we'll do a whole podcast over over caffeine and shit like that too because a lot of people just don't know. Um all right man, final question. Um I love this question. You and I are glucose disposal agent super geeks. Um you've been doing it just a little bit more than longer than I have, probably about a year longer. Um, we both have a lot of experience with these. We've designed them before. Um, all our clients have been using them for a fucking decade now or more. Here's the question. Should I take a glucose disposal agent pre, intra, or post? And and I think really what, what we need to answer is pre and post. I mean, I, I don't yes. think anybody needs to fucking take one intra. But no. um, the the reason why this is such a good question is, I've changed, you know, I've changed my approach to it. I used to tell people, listen, don't take a GDA pre and post because that's when your insulin sits, that's when you're burning through those carbs the best. I told them don't take it pre because I didn't want, the workout drops your blood sugar anyway. I don't want someone to take a, you know, a GDA and then bottom out. Well, so yeah, if I, you bottom
1: out, you've ruined your workout. It's going to be real tough to, to uh, recover.
0: So I, I, I used to fall under that category. I'm like, nah, take, take a GDA and all your other meals that have carbs, don't worry about pre and post. Then I started to change my mind because then I started trying it myself. And it really came down to, for me, what carb meals I was having pre and post. Yeah, if I'm sure, having right. fast-acting carbs, I don't really need to take a GDA because they clear pretty quick, especially pre and post-workout. So your insulin sensitivity is better. I don't want to bottom out by taking one pre but if i'm having something like oatmeal and it helps clear it a little bit quicker and i feel better and i ha- i always feel less bloat whenever i eat any kind of slow digesting carb and i have a gda because it helps oh
1: yeah for sure
0: I mean, it, it, gda's help with that um so in that situation i do recommend it um pre and post or if somebody's trying to reset their insulin sensitivity you know, with a glucose disposal agent, the best thing that those that those do is they keep insulin overall insulin lowered. So from a health standpoint, it's great. If you're trying to reset your insulin sensitivity, it's great. So I do recommend it there, um, pre and post. And that's, that's just kind of my take there on kind of how things have changed. Jason, what do you what do you recommend?
1: So, I mean, first off, I own a supplement company that sells GDA. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I personally, this is how I do it, and I have a lot of my clients, I have them take it pre uh, with the thought that, you know, your insulin sensitivity hasn't really picked up yet. You haven't done anything. Like, I come straight from my desk to have that meal. So, I do have it with that, and I'm one of those people who uh, tend more towards a type 2 diabetic scenario. My grandmother has it. My mom's borderline. So, I've never really taken a GDA and ever felt like I've risked being hypo so again that's coming from where i'm at if anything it's helping my situation but i get a better pump and i feel like my food digests better and through me so i'm gonna take it pre for all those reasons post i take it personally because i own a company that produces it and i get it at a good cost for all my other people a lot of times i say look if you're on a budget you really don't need it post-workout because glute for translocation is is Picked up big time, and that's really just where the carrier proteins come more to the cell, and you're more, and they open uh, because of insulin, and you're they're more open and more receptive because of training, and so you're gonna store uh, a way more efficient amount of, uh, of glycogen um, in the muscle post workout. So, do you need it? Probably not. Do I take one? Yep, I do. But again, I have type two on my side, of the family. I also have access to the supplement pretty easily. So. That's my spiel on it.
0: What, uh, let me inject another question here. Cause I just thought about this and I, I don't know when we'll ever bring this topic up on the show again. Say, say you have a client that's type one diabetic, so they're taking insulin. It's doctor yeah, prescribed, obviously. I've had a lot of people ask me before, so should I take a GDA when I'm taking, you know, insulin mm-hmm. that's being prescribed? Yeah. Um, yeah. Jason, how do you normally handle that?
1: So here's the deal. Um, If they take one uh, with a meal, they are going to need less insulin. So if they are someone who still administers their own, like they're not hooked up to a machine or something that's that's seeing the need and and, and dosing it, it gets a little tricky because they're going to need to adjust because it does make your body more sensitive to insulin. So if they needed 20 IUs to dispose of that meal, they might only need 10 now. And if they give 20, they're going to overshoot. So it gets really hairy with someone who's still doing it by hand. If they've got a machine and it's calculating and kind of just, you know, putting the insulin out for them, it's going to require them to use less insulin, which is a healthy thing overall. So in that case, if you got something that's kind of self-regulating, uh, it can help, but just when you're doing it on your own, it's, it's going to be tougher because like, it's even like when you have a client who's type one dependent and they've never done any really exercise in their life and now they start lifting all their doses, uh, are, are, they start dropping. They don't need as much insulin, right? It's really pretty wild to watch. And so if they're doing all that by hand, it gets a little more tricky for them until they kind of get a handle on it is all. So,
0: yeah, and and I've I've told clients I've only had probably five or six clients like that over the last ten years. It's just not a common scenario um, that you're going to get. And, and if a coach doesn't know what to say, it's real easy to say, "Hey, listen, I'm not qualified." Like. I don't know. Talk to your doctor. Most doctors aren't going to know what a fucking GDA is anyway. Um, but and that's not me taking a jab. I'm just saying like they don't, they'll know what metformin is, but they don't, yes. they may not know it's a damn GDA. Yeah. Um, but my point is like sometimes with them, I told them like, listen, take a, um, you know, I hate to use mild slintrol, your natty nutrition product. It's not a mild uh, product by any means. Uh, GDA max is more powerful in my opinion, yes. the one that he makes got berberine and other things in it. Yeah. But, you know, taking like Chromium and Vanadil together, which is, which is Slytron, I know there's some other stuff in it, but back in the day, that's what I used to recommend. I'm like, listen, at least Chromium and Vanadil will kind of help insulin do its job better. You know, Vanadil will act like insulin. Chromium's kind of the cofactor. So you should be able to get by with less insulin. And sure enough, that, that was always the case. So, you know, like you said, health-wise, anytime someone can get by a less total insulin, whether it's us or it's a type one or type two diabetic, it's just a good thing. I think GDAs are, you know, you said you take it because you own a company, but you know, deep down you and I both are huge believers in these and we have been for our clients for oh, well. Oh Yeah. I just
1: meant I take it post workout. Like, you know, I, right. I can take it more often throughout the day because I, uh, yeah, my bad, my bad. I, I have access. Not that I take it because I mean, I created the product because I, w- I was taking them and believed in it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's and that's that's my point. I think these are these are these these little gems that that make up that 1 or 2% when it comes to physique enhancement or fat loss that you know, especially for a lot of my clients that are natural, like you you need all those little 1 or 2% changes oh, here and there that add up so much over time. Um that to me a glucose disposal agent is right there. It's I would say eighty percent of the plans I send out, I've got a recommendation for a GDA. Oh and, yeah, well, yeah, you, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I just tell them take them at your card meals away from the workout to start, um, just because of of cost. You know, you don't need to take five servings of it a day. But uh, yeah, man, these were uh, man, these were fun. These were good questions. I I can't wait. Definitely were. Can't wait to get into our next couple topics. Um, you guys are going to love that. Like I said at the beginning of the show, please, please, please leave us a review. Hit pause right now. Leave us a review. If you're driving, pull over. Use voice to text. I don't care. Um, we're just uh, <laughs> we're super excited. We want to get this up to 100, and I know it's coming. Um, so stay tuned, guys. More good episodes coming up down the pipe. Jason, we're going to get off here, man. We both got emails. I've got to head to St. Louis to work on some stuff for the summit. So for myself and Jason, we're out of here. Thanks, guys. See ya.